Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning! It's Friday! Friday, Friday, Friday. It's the first Friday of June. That's super fun. I mean, in case you missed the announcement yesterday, um, June the 9th is going to be Strawberry Rhubarb Pie Day. It's also my birthday, and I don't think that's a coincidence. So, there you go. Uh, I know. I know I announced it yesterday, but I just feel like some things are worth repeating. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. What is today in your life? Maybe today um, is, a, is a particular day of significance and importance in your family, um, in your life experience, maybe looking forward into the future, maybe looking back to the past. Today is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Let's turn to the Word of God now. Where in the Word are you today? I am in John chapter 10. I, enc- I encourage you even as we're thinking about today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, I encourage you to read the entirety of John chapter 10 so that you can hear these words of Jesus in their context as he is talking about um, the reality of himself as the good shepherd and um, and the reality that we live in um, under constant threat of, of an enemy um, who is always seeking a way uh, to lead us astray into uh, temptation and destruction and death. So John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28 are today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day. If you're not signed up to receive these uh, verses in your email inbox every morning, you can do that at myfaithradio.com. My sheep listen to my voice, Jesus says. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. So you may have um, heard a sermon in the past uh, on this passage of Scripture as evidence of what is called eternal security. Um, In in other uh, theological parlance, you might have heard this as the basis for a theology of the perseverance of the saints, the confidence that believers have that God will never let us go. But I think it's important to note the qualifications that Jesus um, includes here in this verse. So there's certainly assurance here uh, that no one will ever snatch anyone away from Christ. Um, So there's this wonderful assurance, but there's also these qualifications. Those whom Jesus calls my sheep. Uh, Jesus says, uh, my sheep are those who what? Listen to my voice and follow me. So listening and following are a part of being known and then being kept. So Jesus talks about, you know, these are the ones that I know, um, and these are the ones that I keep. And eternal life here is described as a gift, and it's a gift to those who are in Christ. Though they die, yet shall they live. In fact, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's, literally, literally the sheep of his hand. 
So here's a little exercise for you today. I mean, you know, as you're exercising your faith, right? Imagine walking through the scriptures as a lamb, looking for evidence and assurance of the good shepherd. And certainly, um, if, if I were just to say to you, hey, you know, is there a passage of scripture that comes to mind when you think about being a sheep or you think about Jesus being a good shepherd? And maybe John 10 is the passage that would come to mind. But for many, many people, the passage that would come to mind would be the 23rd Psalm. And we might linger there in a conversation about the sheep and the shepherd. Maybe Psalm 100, verse 3, where we are reminded that the Lord is God. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people. The what? The sheep of his pasture. We could spend time in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus teaches about the links to which the good shepherd goes to seek and to save one little lost lamb. Remember the 99 and the one? We could consider the compassion of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, where he says, where it says, uh, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Certainly, we would linger in John uh, chapter 10, which is the context of today's verses, but we would also do well to consider like Isaiah 53, Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 50, Ezekiel 34, Matthew uh, chapters 25 and 26. There's a lot of places where um, Scripture talks about sheep and shepherds. Maybe you would turn to John 21, this extraordinary restoration of Peter on the beach after Jesus um, has been crucified and risen from the dead. And that threefold um, denial of Peter is answered by this threefold restoration, you know, where Peter is told to feed and tend the lambs and sheep of the good shepherd. So who's going to shepherd you today? And who are you going to shepherd in the spirit of the good shepherd? It's one thing to know that we're secure as a sheep, as a lamb in God's hand. It's another thing altogether to live as under shepherds of the good shepherd. So today, let's set ourselves about the task of seeking out those who have wandered away, those who are lost in this day and time. And let us hear the calling of Christ. Let us not only belong to him, secure in our own faith, but let us live into our calling as those who go and do likewise in his name. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaRouge. This is Faith Radio. All right, you and I are going to spend a few minutes more here, uh, just the two of us today. Um, let's see, a number of things on my, you know, I put things in my pocket. That's what, um, that's what my, little, my little storage space on my computer is. All the things that I save up um, to talk with you about when just the two of us have time to sit down together over a cup of coffee and catch up. So here are a few of things uh, from my pocket this morning. Um, do you keep a list of things, by the way? Like, you know, when we get together, you're like, okay, these are the things I want to talk with Carmen about over coffee. Um, you have that kind of list? Uh, that's, um, that's, that's what I got here. So um, yesterday was the 1st of June. And so this is a month that is lots of things to lots of people. It might be your anniversary month. Somebody might be getting married this month who you love. Um, it might be somebody's birthday month, rebirthday month, all those kinds of things. And certainly we know the, we talked a little bit yesterday about the things that, you know, in the culture this month is called um, or what is acknowledged. 
And we'll talk more about that in the in the unfolding um, days and weeks ahead. But here's something that we missed noting yesterday. Um, hurricane season has started. So here you go. Here's a little shout out to Arlene, Bert. Oh, no. Arlene, Brett, not Bert. Cindy, I mean, if you are a Bert, it's not that I'm not giving you a shout out. It's that your name is not actually on the hurricane list. Sorry. Arlene, Brett, Cindy, Don, Emily, Franklin, Gert. If we got a Gert listening, I, I just want to know that anyway. Harold, Idelia, or maybe that's Idelia. If we get that far into the named hurricanes, then we're going to know how to pronounce that name. But I think it's Idelia. Jose, Katia, Lee, Margo, Nigel, Ophelia. Um, it's not Philip. It looks like Felipe. Philippe? Maybe it's just Philippe. Rena, Sean, Tammy, Vince, and Whitney. Um, you are the named hurricanes of, of this particular year. So um, there you go. That'll be an opportunity for you to be acknowledged. <laughs> acknowledged. Hopefully, um, even if a hurricane spins up and bears your name, um, you will do little or no damage. Um, but hurricane season began yesterday. And as a person who lived for a period of time on a barrier island off of South Carolina, I know um, how this works. Like, live ready, live watchful, live prepared, do your scenario planning, have a communication plan that's not dependent on your cell phone working, okay? Um, have um, have the expectation that a storm is definitely going to head your way and you should be prepared. Um, but then also live today as if it's never going to happen. Yeah, so there you go. And I feel like this is the readiness, the watchfulness, the preparation, um, the communication, the expectation with which Christians live all the time. Like, I live in this total expectant hope that today might be the day that Jesus returns. I mean, I live with that hopeful expectation. I also live today as if, not that it's never going to happen, but that it's not going to happen today. So I live today in these, like, two realities. And people who live in places where hurricanes um, are a present threat, I mean, live this way as well. I suppose those of you who live in in places where there's like an earthquake fault zone, you probably also live with the same kind of, it could happen today. My whole like world could collapse into the earth. Um, but I'm also going to live today as if that's not going to happen today. And so when you're talking with folks who are living with a high level of anxiety all the time, maybe this is a good conversation to have with them, you know, to say, look, you know, I mean, it's hurricane season. Are you living constantly with the, with the fear that one's coming? Because it, it doesn't it doesn't quite happen like that. So maybe we could put fear in its right perspective and we could live in the confidence of Christ and the assurance um, that God cares about us, that God is going to provide for us, even if the worst happens. And let's do some scenario planning. Let's have a communication plan. Let's, um, you know, certainly live with the expectation of the unexpected. But let's also anticipate miracles, knowing that with God, whatever happens, um, we're going to have an opportunity to bear positive witness to him and ultimately to glorify him forever and ever. All right, let's take a very brief break. We come back, we're going to talk about being lost and found. First of all, I mean, you know, lost and found is just a great subject of conversation for Christians. But something that was lost when the Titanic sank more than 100 years ago has now been found. And it's a necklace, which, of course, makes you think of the movie. All right. So 
That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at myfaithradio.com. All right, remember the uh, Titanic? You know, big boat um, struck an iceberg in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and plunged to the bottom of the sea. I think we talked about the fact that a couple of weeks ago, um, the Titanic uh, was now like fully imaged by undersea digital scanning technology. And so the sinking of the Titanic in... 1912 um you know it's a long time ago and we've you know everybody's seen the movie right this necklace right there's this necklace well the necklace the necklace in the movie does not actually include the necklace we're going to talk about right now but the fact that we're talking about a necklace that has been discovered through this digital scanning process um that took place at the bottom of the atlantic ocean of a ship that sank more than 100 years ago. Just all of that is incredible. But the necklace that is now like so visibly seen in these digital images from the bottom of the ocean is um is a tooth. It's a megalodon tooth on a gold necklace that um was you know uh very expensive at the time and priceless today. So megalodons uh, were these like huge, very fast sharks, big enough to eat an orca in about five bites and faster than any shark alive today. Um, and the the necklace was um, discovered during this scanning process. <clears throat> it's, it's like really, really clear in the images. And I just want to say that this is an opportunity for us to talk about lost and found um, and what it means for those who are lost to be sought by the Savior and to be found. And so if you've been playing hide and seek with God, you know, it's time to let yourself be found. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And so I just want to encourage you in that today and maybe equip you to use this particular story to talk about things that are precious and things that are worth finding and the joy of rediscovery um, and how much delight there is in finding that which is lost and gives you the opportunity to talk about Jesus. Here's another headline that gives us the opportunity to talk about Jesus today. There is a um, Scottish castle for sale. It's it's actually pretty cheap, like thirty seven grand. Thirty seven grand, um, thirty seven thousand dollars does not seem like much to pay for a Scottish cat castle. Um, here's the challenge: it has like twelve to fourteen million dollars of like deferred. Uh, what do you call that? Where you've just got to repair something? Yeah, like deferred maintenance. <clears throat> so. It might only cost you 37 grand to buy it, but it's going to cost you 12 to 15 grand to fix it. So, uh, situated in Fetlar, the fourth largest of the Shetland Islands, Bro Lodge is one of the most remote parts of the United Kingdom, accessible only from ferry. 
from the Shetland mainland. I wonder if it comes with ponies, though, since it's Shetland. See, these are the things that I would want to know. Um, all right. So so there you go. Um, currently, uh, the the population of the island is 69 people. So it's not just remote. It's also um, not not really tremendously inhabited. That might be like perfect for you. Um, it's described as a world class retreat ambition. It could be a 24-bedroom retreat. That's what they are uh, That's what they are imagining this could be. So this gives us opportunity to talk about the place that's being prepared for us, that mansion with many rooms where Christ has gone to prepare a place for us, that where he is, we might go and, and live also as sons and daughters of the king. So there is a there is an eternal home being prepared right now for you. You've got a room in not just a world world class retreat and not a place that's only going to have 69 people in it, by the way. <clears throat> um, the kingdom of heaven is going to be populated by every person over all of time who has believed in the name of Jesus. That's pretty extraordinary, right? And so um, lots of rooms, big castle, um, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to whom we will all bow down right now as the carpenter preparing a place for us. So that's really uh, an opportunity, I think, to talk about you know what it means to be sons and daughters of the King. It gives us an opportunity to talk about what Jesus is up to, what he's doing um, as the ascended Lord, and where we're where we're going. I mean, those who are sons and daughters of the King are ultimately going home. Um, to a place not built by hands. All right, and then here quickly, let me also squeeze in the Friday Farm Report. Um, a lot, lot going on on the farm this week. Uh, on Monday, we made five new additions to our family. Um, one is named Cinnamini, and Cinnamini is a six-week-old um, rat terrier, and she is the cutest little thing that maybe. I've ever touched. Um, and so uh, Cinnamini uh, is in the studio right now learning to be a next generation studio dog. Um, and so if you ever hear her in the background, it's because she's not yet fully trained like the other dogs who who just lie quietly on their princess pillows um, during the show. So um, yeah, Cinnamini is going to have a job. She's going to be working in the orchard. Uh, protecting our fruit, but obviously she's not going to be big enough to do that this year. So I don't know. That's going on. The other additions to uh, to the LaBerge farm this week are four steer calves. Um, and it's going to be curious to you that they all have uh, act like real names. So um, we bought a couple of calves that uh, we're actually raising for some of our neighbors and one of our kids. So our neighbors named their calf Jeffrey and uh, John and Beth named their calf Weasley because he's kind of red in color. And if you've uh, if you're a Harry Potter fan, then you know that you know that which has red hair is a Weasley. Um, and so our two are little black steers, and their names are Phil and Chuck, in the spirit of being fillet and Chuck roast. So there you go. <clears throat> uh, and then quickly here uh, in the garden, um, our strawberries are done. That was a fun run, but kind of short this year. Um, our blueberries are ripening, and so that is exciting. Green things are growing everywhere. And that big snake that I told you about last week, I it might be a mama because we have since seen, well, let's just say more than one, quote unquote, little snakes of, yeah, you know, a couple of feet. But that uh, that 
that that big they're all king snakes so you know they're good snakes but you know is any snake good this is a an eternal mortal question of the woman uh to her god all right so that's what's going on here what's going on in your neck of the woods you can always email me carmen at myfaithradio.com bring me up to date on what's going on where you are what your summer plans include what your summer projects include what's growing where you live um, you know, as we all anticipate on June the 9th, celebrating uh, a a strawberry rhubarb pie day feast, mm-hmm. I'm hoping your rhubarb is coming in really hearty and healthy this year. We are going to um, go upwards with Max Lucado, and then our friend Dan DeWitt will be here in a few minutes as well as we bring the mind of Christ to bear on what's going on in the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, one more out-of-this-world conversation before our friend Dan DeWitt joins us. Um, An independent team assembled by NASA is due to publish its first report on unidentified anomalous phenomenon. Okay, we normally call those UFOs, unidentified flying objects, but now they have a new name, UAPs, because I don't think they want us to talk about UFOs because UFOs makes it sound like, you know, we're talking about aliens. And so in an effort to get us to not talk about aliens, they've changed the name to Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon. Um, But we're still going to wonder and talk, right? So this report um, by an independent team assembled by NASA, which I got to say, if you're going to have a group of people tell you what's flying around out there, this seems like a good group to do it. And so we're anticipating their report by the end of July. Um, But here's what we know so far. These events in the sky that cannot be identified as aircraft or known natural phenomena from a scientific perspective, NASA says, um, are being investigated. The report will inform NASA on what possible data could be collected in the future that might shed light on the nature and the origin of these UAPs, Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon. What they're trying to do is access, again, this is a quote, to access whether these phenomena pose any risk to safety um, and uh, they've apparently got a lot of studies on UAPs, which doesn't really surprise me. Um, and they have um, this group is aggregating like all of the different studies that have been carried out by various arms and agencies of the federal government over the course of time, including a Pentagon report that was declassified in June of 2021. Um. And, you know, I think ultimately people want to know, like, right, we're curious. We're not just curious. Like, we would like to know um, what what's going on. And so from a Christian worldview and perspective, I know that there are people who, who say, well, that would just like, that would wreck me if I found out that, you know, we're not alone in the universe. And then I'm like, okay, but you already know we're not alone in the universe, right? I mean, God is a personal God and he's the creator of all things. And it's a little bit arrogant to imagine that, like, we're it in terms of the only sentient, responsive thinking beings that God might have created. So, um, yeah, it doesn't bother me if uh, if we discover th- that these UAPs are a phenomenon that is related to something literally out of this world. Um, but I also su- suspect that... Um, 
many of the answers are are going to be closer to home. So Dan DeWitt's going to join us next. You can uh, find what he's working on at theolatte.com. Um, we're going to um, we're going to settle in on this question. <clears throat> What's the evil that haunts us? Like you got a spooky evil that haunts you? That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Dan DeWitt is back. You can find him at theolatte.com and the links to the things we're going to be talking about today. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Carmen. What's crack a Paul Perot just distracted me with, I'm um, with, with news that the United States is giving away free historic lighthouses. And I, so I had, to, I had to jump over there. And so I'm not currently on the link that we're talking about. <laughs> Well, sign me up. I want a lighthouse. I know that much. I mean, and today, right? to uh, let my light shine, I have to take the moment to say today is my 22nd um, year wedding anniversary to my dear, sweet April Joy. <gasps> I wish we had a She's song. my lighthouse. I, w- I wish we had a, <laughs> I wish we had a, um, an anniversary song that was as good as like happy birthday. Happy, happy anniversary. I know well, there was well, on, on, on the Flintstones had, I, I, you know, they had happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy, 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 anniversary, happy, anniversary, happy, anniversary, happy, anniversary, happy, 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 <laughs> we will um we will be sure we send you a recording of that to share with your bride. <laughs> Please yeah. do. That's so great. That's so great. Um all right, we're going to we're going to make a hard pivot to <laughs> to the evil that haunts us. Um so talk with us about um the reality of the depth of our depravity and the sin we do to one another and why we're talking about this today. Yeah, I think G.K. Chesterton once said something to the effect of, you know, that the doctrine of total depravity is, you know, one of those doctrines that's scientifically verifiable, you know, that it's Mm. um, everywhere around us. The Wall Street Journal, um, what I link to is that they recently commemorated, it's the 50-year anniversary of um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's book, The Gulag, uh, and I'm I'm not even sure I'll pronounce this right, Archipelago, an experiment in... Thank you. An experiment Mm -hmm. in literary investigation. And they call it, the Wall Street Journal called it arguably the 20th century's greatest piece of nonfiction prose. So Solzhenitsyn wrote it from prison. He interviewed hundreds of fellow um, prisoners. He dedicated the work to those who didn't live to tell their stories. And so he outlines the unthinkable cruelty of what happened there um, in the prisons, in the gulag. And he talked about, I mean, some of the things that are just unthinkable, what they what they did to people. And um, as he reflected on his time there, um, he 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 had to point out that it wasn't just evil that was possible with these soldiers um, who were carrying out orders, but that there was an evil in the heart of every person. So he noticed that in the prisons, that every prisoner would face a temptation. He referred to it as the fork. And they would either, um, through deception and through um, betrayal, 
find ways to survive in the prison by turning other people over, um, by hiding behind other people, or they would commit themselves to serve and to love others, which often would lead to their own deaths. And that that temptation revealed that there's an evil in every one of us, that when backed into an awful situation like that, the evil that's confronting us, sometimes we respond with our own evil. And so I think that Solzhenitsyn's point um, is reminiscent to a, a speech that I reference all the time from Dorothy Sayers, which is creed or chaos. And it's the point is this, that the, the soldiers could treat the prisoners the way they did in such horrific ways, mainly because they convinced themselves they were doing something that was morally good. And so we can deceive ourselves into doing evil by actually calling evil good. And that's exactly what scripture says that we will do when we turn away from him. And so what Dorothy Sayers argued for and what Solzhenitsyn's getting at as well is that it's not just turning from any ideology, that we could have some neutral ideology that will somehow stay off evil. Actually, what we need is another opposing ideology, um, and prayerfully, it will be a true ideology. And for Sayers and for Solzhenitsyn, that was the Christian faith. And so Sayers said it was creed or chaos. And here, what Solzhenitsyn is showing us is the evils that happen at a national level and also the evils that happen at a personal level. And the question that we need to, to face for ourselves is what way of seeing the world can make sense of this kind of national evil and this kind of personal evil? Solzhenitsyn writes um, in, in this work, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. Mm. I'm thinking of Eric Fromm's The Heart of Man. Um, I'm thinking of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, just, just these number of um, conversations that happen about the inclination um, of the human heart. And it does come down to, I mean, as you say, I mean, it does come down to what Solzhenitsyn describes as the fork, um, you know, mm -hmm. or what Sayers describes as this, I mean, it is, it is a, it is a choice um, between creed or chaos. Um, how do we invite people who have been subjected to the evil of others? How do we invite them to choose life and light when what they have experienced is genuine darkness? Yeah, I, I, a guest you've had on the show, John Lennox, I've heard him respond in Q&A before, and I, I consider him to be, you know, one of my intellectual um, heroes, and not just intellectual, but spiritual heroes. Um, I turned to his, his videos and his writings often, but I remember hearing him say that the question of the problem of evil is the most difficult question to face. And because it's not primarily an intellectual question, it's a very personal one. And so I think we have to be willing to walk with people and to not um, show up at their bedside with a systematic theology. Um, but at the same time, we don't check our theism at the door. And so I think that there is a readily available biblical answer to the problem of evil and suffering. Um, but usually when people are asking that, especially when they've suffered harm at the hands of religious people, um, that, that that there needs to be a process and they need to work through that. Of course, the Christian framework of creation, fall, redemption, glorification, 
um, gives us a way to think about evil that shows evil for being truly what it is. I've I've one link to a philosophy magazine that I um, will regularly read online and their most recent issues on ethics. And you could read through a number of those articles from moral philosophers to see that without a framework that we're kind of left with um, not a whole lot of options for where we're going to drive our morality from. And so there are a number of secular philosophers who will concede that there really is no such thing as evil. Well, that doesn't help the person who's suffering. Um, nor, you know, nor does simply saying refer to point them to religion. We need something that's deeper, um, that's woven into the very fabric of the universe, that there is something that's truly evil and that there is an answer to this, that history is heading somewhere. And there is some way in which, um, in the end, every right will be made, every wrong will be made right. Um, I love what Tim Keller said, and I have a lot of links to Tim Keller in, in the, the Worldview Reader but I, he said it's some something like this. All of our our wrongs will be made. Uh, let's see. Every bad thing will come untrue. Um, the good things that we have will last forever. And our best is yet to come. And I think that that's a, a narrative that resonates with our heart. Um, as you quoted last time, I think we were together, that King Solomon said God's placed eternity in our heart. That that line from Keller resonates within us because it it's it's the very fabric of reality. We know that creation is pointing somewhere and going somewhere. Yeah, that you catastrophe that the bad mm. things will become untrue. Um, there is a good and a great story that undoes all the all the darkness. Um, but not everybody knows that. I think when you talk about the the reality of the creation, fall, redemption, glorification. Um, cycle maybe is the language I'll use for that. Um, but the reality of that. So I embrace that. I embrace that, you know, uh, creation is real. It's purposeful. It's, it's God. Um, it's, it's an act of God. Um, the fall is real. It's an act of man. Redemption is real. It's, uh, you know, it's the, it's the gospel, um, scope over all of human history and glorification is, is where it all lands, but mm -hmm. not everybody. Um, in fact, I think Dan, a lot of people only live their entire lives in the reality of the fall. They don't have a memory of creation and they don't have a knowledge of, uh, of redemption and no hope of glory. I mean, we're just letting our neighbors live their entire existence in the second part of that cycle. And that's on us. Like the mm -hmm. the people who are called to be light bearers, we're the ones who are supposed to be reminding people, telling them the story of creation so that they can remember again and then declaring to them the good news of the gospel that redemption is not only possible, but that we're living in it right now and that glorification is is real, that hope is substantial. And so, yeah, every bad thing will become untrue um, and it's our wonderful, glorious opportunity to be sharing that good news with people now. So let's take a very brief break. When we come back, um, let's pivot our conversation, Dan, to something else that you've got posted right now. And that is, what's the trouble with X? Mm -hmm. If X marks the spot or who is X, mm -hmm. what's, what's, uh, what's the issue? What's the problem? What's the X? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. 
As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Dan DeWitt is here. You can find what we're talking about at theolatte.com, or you should be reading in on the Worldview Reader. Lots of great links there uh, this week. Dan, what's the trouble with, and then X, and what, what is X in this case? Jump to that. I just have to give a quick reference to, um, it's also the 40-year anniversary, since we mentioned Solzhenitsyn, of his acceptance speech of um, the Templeton Award. And so he gave mm. a prophetic speech 40 years ago. The, the, the book we referenced earlier, it's fi- the 50-year anniversary. Um, but I'm going to put a link to that in the Worldview Reader. And in it, he says that the reason all these things have happened, um, the evils that happened that he endured, is because men have forgotten God. All right. To, to carry out that theme, though, in which Solzhenitsyn says the evil actually runs not across states and nations, but through every heart— C.S. Lewis published a little, gave a little talk, and it was published as a little booklet. And I, I've made it my hobby and life's um, guilty pleasure of collecting C.S. Lewis first editions and then um, memorabilia. And so I have a copy of, if you go to this post, there's a picture of a little booklet um, that was published right after Lewis gave this talk, shortly after. And the title of the talk is The Trouble with X. And so in looking at the title and looking at the book cover, you see these little stick figures of people and there's an X over each of them. And so you could easily assume that this is a book about what's wrong with this kind of person and what's wrong with that kind of person. And what C.S. Lewis gets to in this essay is that we are X. And so the the reality is we're often far too stingy when it comes to doling out grace to others and we're far too generous in serving ourselves. And so our, it, I think that's understandable because we understand our faults. So, if, for example, if someone cuts us off in traffic, um, it's because they're a jerk. If we cut someone off, it's understandable because we're in a hurry. And that would be one example of how we often overlook our faults and focus on others. And, of course, Jesus talked about this. Um, we, we focus on the speck in someone else's eye when we have a, a plank in our own eye. And so this essay is just a really um, painful, convicting reminder that we don't deserve grace any more than anyone else, um, and we don't need it any less. Dan DeWitt, if you could only preach once, mm -hmm, which is another piece you have posted right now, uh, apparently um, there is a collection of works published in 1929 uh, as if I could only preach once. And so it comes from a really diverse group of contributors. Um, maybe it's a good opportunity for us to think about if we could only preach once what we would say. But what what else do you have for us in uh, in this? Yeah, so, you know, I love that this is, if you've heard the line from Chesterton, where, um, and if you're not familiar with G.K. Chesterton, was a, a British polymath, um, you know, wrote history, 
art. He illustrated almost as many books as he actually wrote. He's the one who, for me, liberated me to care about sketching again. Um, I wrote an article about that years ago for Touchstone Magazine about how I finally realized I could put down an academic textbook and pick up a sketchbook. Um, and it was Chesterton who really gave me that vision for um, the the beauty of intellectual argument and then also of artistic beauty. And Chesterton says in this in his one sermon, he said, if I had only one sermon to preach, it would be a sermon against pride. And he went on to say, if I had only one sermon to preach, I should feel specially confident that I should not be asked to preach another. And I think that was Chesterton's um, kind of um, fun way of saying that this would be a sermon to himself, that this would be a sermon that he would need to, to take to heart. And so, again, going back to Lewis's um, essay, The Problem with Acts, if we would all have a little self-awareness and I guess for the sake of how we're talking about this, if I would have a little self-awareness and a little humility um, and empathy, the world would be a much better place. And if we're going to be known um, as Christians, as Jesus's followers, by the love we have for one another, we're going to need this kind of self-awareness and empathy and forgiveness if we're going to be able to thrive and to show to our neighbors that there's life and that we're illustrating the kind of life that we have. Um, that there's resurrection that's clear in our families and in our lives and in our homes and in our relationships. And so I thought the book was really interesting. I love Chesterton's sermon, of course, um, but then there are a number of other sermons, um, including a sermon from Bertrand Russell, who was um, a the most prolific atheist author um, of his day. So interesting book, and it's an interesting question to consider. If you have one sermon to preach, what would it be? Jesus. I'm just going yep. with Jesus. I know. I know that seems very Pauline. Um, so when when we hear Chesterton's quote, I, I just confess to you, um, because of the days in which we live and the context in which we live, um, the word that stands out in all of that is the word pride. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering, you know, as a as a parent of young men, um, as a person who has a lot of exposure to college age people. What are the kinds of conversations that um, you're hearing and that you're having in relationship to the pride culture we now live in or the pride month in which we find ourselves? Well, yeah, man, that's that's a whole load of topics. Um, I, I would say that we all kind of instinctively there's a way in which we 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 recognize the intrinsic um, quality of someone who's very good at something. Um, and we admire that, but we also know when it goes too far and it becomes prideful. And so I think that even apart from having a Christian perspective or a Bible verse to kind of say that that's someone has crossed that threshold, you know, the line between confidence and and pride can be a, a thin one at times. Um, but if we were to look at this, the, the quality of humility, I think that people really, even without a Christian framework, we recognize the beauty of humility as well. And so to be gifted at something and to be humble is such a wonderful, glorious thing. And the reality is God's made every person in such a way that there are things you're very gifted at that other people may not be. And to use that as an opportunity, not to exalt yourself, but to use that as an opportunity to serve others is such a compelling uh, such a compelling witness in a world that often 
rewards those who are prideful. Um, and yet, even in the face of that, we recognize it's the humble that really attract our attention. And so I would just encourage everyone listening, we need to do a heart check. We have areas where we're prideful and arrogant. Um, and then in the midst of a month that is celebrating pride as it relates to sexual identity, what better time than for us to be um, introspective about our own need to be humble and to serve and to love even people who differ and disagree with us on a number of things. Let's win them over with our love and our humility. That is um that is really helpful. Um, so thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, that's Dan DeWitt. You can find him at his Theo Latte blog. He's also a senior fellow at Southwest Baptist University. Today he's celebrating his twenty second wedding anniversary. Yeah. So we want to um, continue to celebrate that as well. Check out the Worldview Reader for this week at theolatte.com. Dan, as always, thank you so much. Thanks, Carmen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right. Yes. For those of you wondering, you can find the information about the federal government giving away historic lighthouses at smithsonianmag.com. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be more out there about this. The General Services Administration is giving away six historic beacons, including the Warwick Neck Light at no cost. Uh, An additional four will be sold via private auction. The goal is to transfer these um, historic buildings in order that they might be preserved as, quote, technology renders them obsolete. Hey, let your light so shine before others that they would see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. You are not a lighthouse that technology renders obsolete. Um, You are um, a bright, shining light reflecting the love of God into the world, um, into the darkness where people are living. So, Let your light shine today. Like, go be shiny. Let's preserve the light of Christ in the midst of the generation in which we live. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.